People have got to have deliverance. They've got to have that move of God in their lives because people's in a mess. Their lives are in a mess. They're bound with drugs, alcohol. See, I mean, this area right here around us is so drug infested and people are so bound with drugs and, and they can't get their lives clean. We, we had our trailer up the road here for two years, just about a half mile up the road here. And there was a young man that stayed there, uh, in the house his grandmother was raised with. And we reached out to him, talked to him, and, and he used to go to church. Had a great experience with God. He's about 17. He got hurt. And I was talking to him one day and he said, well, I know the Lord. I talk to him every day. That's all well and good, but you ain't serving God. There's a difference in calling Jesus Savior. And making him Lord of your life. You can call him Savior. But when you make him Lord of your life, you come under subjection to that word and the working of that spirit. Well, we've been wondering about him. And we got word the other day. Uh, I finally called his uh, grandmother and asked her what's happened to him. Because when we'd drive by the house where he used to live, we would check. And there's been nobody there for probably a month, month and a half. So we asked her. Uh, she said, well, he kind of got himself in some trouble wound up in jail. So... You know, I mean, I'm not talking about somebody 18, 19, 20 years old. I'm talking about somebody in their 30s. Their life has just been out of order, no purpose, no goal, no direction. You know, bound up by the working of Satan, good people that in their heart love God. But they've got nothing to set them free. We've got to have this gospel of the kingdom to set people free. This is the only gospel. You preach the gospel of salvation, people are going to repent. You preach water baptism, people are going to get baptized. But when you preach the gospel of the kingdom like Jesus did, according to Matthew 4, 23, it brings deliverance. Because it said Jesus came into the area or wherever it is, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And everywhere the gospel of the kingdom was preached, great signs, wonders, and miracles and deliverance happened. In Mark 16, at the very end of the chapter, when it says, And they went forth everywhere preaching, and the Lord confirmed the word with signs following. The only thing they ever preached, the only thing the apostles preached, you can check it, was the gospel of the kingdom. When Philip went to Samaria in Acts 8, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. What happened? The whole city turned out. People that was bound with evil spirits, with loud voices, they came out of them crying had great miracles, and then the whole city, what was he preaching? Things pertaining to the kingdom of God. When Paul was locked up in Rome for two years in his own hired house, the Bible said he preached and taught and instructed people on things pertaining to the kingdom of God. There's nothing else can be preached. If you're going to bring deliverance to a generation, you got to go past salvation. you got to go past salvation. Because you don't, people going to stop at salvation. And people don't need a bunch of good messages to excite the flesh. People's flesh has been excited way too many times. And nothing changes in them. Nothing changes in them. Because they're not taught a discipline. They're not taught a dedication. They're not taught a consecration. They're not taught a relationship with God. And it don't matter how many times you set somebody free. The thing is, can you stay free? Can they stay free? It's no problem for me to lay hands on somebody and God set them free. That word and that power is in me. I can set people free by the power and the Spirit of God. Can they stay free? And that's why, unless I feel in my spirit now that people 
have something in them that they can stay free or they're hungry and want to learn to stay free, I won't pray for them because all you're doing is aggravating the problem. Because you cast the spirit out of them and it goes out and walks through the dry places of the earth and it can't find a place to inhabit what the Bible says it's going to do. It's going to come back to where it was and it's going to bring seven more wicked and you just go aggravate that person's problem. And people get upset with me and I tell them, I ain't praying for you. Well, brother, better you supposed to pray for people. Why should I aggravate their problem? Why should I put them in deeper trouble? Why should I pray for somebody for God to heal them if it's not the mind of God for them to be healed at that time? God will let trouble come to put people in trials. Until that trial's over, you don't need to be praying for God to heal them. You don't need to be praying for God to move that trouble. You need to let patience have her perfect work according to what James said. What did, what did James say? He said, though you be in manifold trials and temptations, he said, count it all joy. Why do you count it joy? God's working something in you. God's bringing you forward. God's maturing you. But people don't want to praise God in, in, in manifold temptations and trials. What did Peter say? Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial? Would just come to try you? The thing people say when the trial starts... God, get me out. God, deliver me. God, send me a word. God, send somebody to pray for me. What about letting the Spirit work? What about going through the trial? Not being delivered out of it, but going through it and learning, getting strength and getting wisdom, getting understanding, so that you can help somebody that's going to come behind you. So you can become the generation that's mature enough to minister to somebody. People have shouted and praised God and had hands laid on them and had their eyeballs shook out of their head and been anointed with oil enough. I tell people sometimes, I said, man, if there was a spiritual FBI, I said, y'all could be tracked down by your fingerprints on people's foreheads. You prayed for them enough. And that's the truth. People have been prayed for and prayed for and prayed for. They'll get a relief. They'll get a reprieve. And because they don't have a foundation, they'll go right back to what they were in. The cycle's got to break. And this kingdom will break the cycle. It'll break the cycle. Uh, I don't know how I got off on that, but anyway, let me, let me get back to where I was. The spirit of man has been turned loose in the earth. It's been turned loose in the earth. All right. Then we had some very strong tongues, the power moving in the spirit of the Lord come on me and I begin to speak and I'm going to play part of this prophecy. And then if y'all have questions, we're going to uh, talk about it. And that's why I got my phone out here. I usually don't have my phone, but this is the only place I've got this prophecy. Uh, and I would encourage y'all to go to the uh, website, go to sermon.net, wherever you can find it, and start listening to these prophecies. There's probably a dozen on YouTube that go all the way back to 2015. And my son told me, uh, he said, I was listening to one from 2015, December. Uh, the other night and said it lines up with what God's speaking here. But I made a comparison of prophecies. What was it a year ago where I put about 15, 10 or 15 prophecies? I just took, it, took excerpts out of them that go back three years and maybe longer. And there's things in every one of them prophecies that agree with other prophecies because God spoke the same thing solid for the last three or four years. And he said, I'm bringing forth a move that no other generation's ever had. I've been telling people for 
several years now. I said, there's coming a working and a moving of the Spirit of God that's going to go beyond Pentecost. And everybody looked at me like I was crazy because I started saying this way back in, what, 2010, Lisa, if not longer. Y'all know I started saying this when we was in Fort Payne. I've been telling people, I said, you may not believe this. I said, but there's coming a move greater than Pentecost. And I had people come in and tell me, well, Brother Metter, there ain't nothing greater than Pentecost. I said, Pentecost was a former rain. I said, if that's the former rain, then you got the rain, and then you've got the latter rain. And the Bible said, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former. So if it's going to be greater, then that means there's more to come. You, and I've had people argue me down. Well, Brother Metter, I got what they got on the day of Pentecost. I said, really? Yeah, well, we, there's only one Holy Ghost. I said, there may only be one Holy Ghost, but there's a lot of different manifestations of it. And I said, what they got on dead Pentecost? I said, you don't got. Oh, I got it. I just got to learn to use it. I said, really? I said, how long you been saved? They said, about 42 years. I said, slow learner, ain't you? Don't, don't, don't talk to me about that because I'll get straight with you. The Word of God's one place I will not cut in corners or try to spare your feelings. Now, in the natural, I walk around you a mile to keep from hurting your feelings. But when it comes to things of the Spirit, don't stir up the Spirit of God in me, because I, I mean, I'll lay it out on the table and put it point blank, because the way I look at it, you're dealing with somebody's soul. And when you don't want to be honest and frank with somebody about their soul, you don't need to be in the pulpit. You don't need to be called to ministry. But I'm going to, this, this prophecy, the date of it is, uh, October the 27th, 2017, and like I said, it's on the website uh, under the sermon.net, but you can go to the website, it'll link you to it, but it's called the Spirit of Prophecy, and this is when the Lord, in all this after this, is this prophecy uh, that God is speaking, uh, well, some of it is, we don't get into it to page, I think it's page 3. Because I spoke, and then my son spoke, and then I think it come on my wife again. Uh, let's see. That's down at the bottom of, uh, right at the very bottom of page two, where it says prophecy. And that's what I'm fixing to play. And I'm just going to play a few minutes of it, and then I'm going to stop. And I want to, if we've got questions, I want to talk this out. Because we need to know what God's doing. We need to know where the Spirit has us, what's happening. And see, God requires, when God speaks this kind of word to us, He requires something of us. God ain't giving us this word just so we can hear good word. God is giving to the, this word to us to open our understanding, to let us see where He's doing, where He wants to go, what He wants to do, what He is requiring of us, because God requires things of us. Especially when you're called of God. Okay, y'all following with me? And I want to bring a, uh, uh, something out right here. Uh, there's a scripture and it's in Romans and I believe we studied it or we brought it out in the Bible study. I can't remember where it is, but it's the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Uh, yeah, you can find that, Lisa, if you will. The gifts and the callings of God. I know it's in Romans, but I can't remember where. But what the Lord showed me uh, and started dealing with me in Ephesians 4 when it talks about uh, somewhere around 4 and 8. 
And it talks about how that when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. Well, Jesus took spiritual death captive. That's what that's talking about. But then it turned around and said, and he gave gifts unto men. You go down to verse 11, said he gave some apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are ministry gifts. Those are different from the gifts of the Spirit. When the Lord said in Romans that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, he wasn't talking about using the gifts of the Spirit. He was talking about the ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are the ones without repentance. If you're called to them and you don't fulfill that call, those are the ones you can't repent for disobeying God for. You with me, Sister Barbie? Well, it don't mean that God won't work with you. It just means there's going to be a price to pay. You can't repent for not obeying the call of God, and there will be a price to pay. I'm not saying you're going to die lost and not go to heaven, but there will be a price to pay. You know, the Bible said, whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. So if you sow, if you know you're called of God and you walk away from it, you better believe whatever you sow, that you're going to reap. Because he said, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh corruption. If you sow to the Spirit... You're going to reap everlasting life. So when God said the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, he's not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He's not talking about word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning the spirits, faith, healings, miracles, tongues, prophet. He's not talking about those. He's talking about the ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teachers, whatever gift God's given you and put in your life to work in ministry because that's in the body. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That that's for the body to function and Brother Brian, you know a little bit about mechanics. Brother Donald does, Brother Dolfo, I don't know whether you do or not, but I know you you can go have a motor built that'll have six, seven hundred horsepower in it, put it in a vehicle, but you can take one gear out of the transmission. Or you can leave one part out that engages that motor in that train, you ain't going nowhere. You'll sit there and rev that motor and you won't you won't get it in gear. You won't go anywhere. So, you, as an individual, you could be that one gear. You could be that part. You could be that hand, that foot, that eye, that ear that he talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. You can't just say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. You can't choose your, you don't choose your calling. God chooses it. And he places members in the body as it has pleased him. God don't please you. God don't take you. And put you where you want to be used. And I've had people come in and tell me, well, Brother Matter, I want your ministry. I said, you don't need my ministry. I said, if you get my ministry, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, God gives us all a place. You got to find your place. You got to fit there. You got to find what you're called to do. And it's up to you to develop that calling. It's up to you to develop that gift. Will God work with you? Yes. But the more you use a gift, the more you learn about the gift, the more you activate and are active in the working of the Spirit of God, the more you understand it, the more comfortable you get with it, the more you know how to work in the Spirit. So that's why when it says the gifts and callings are without repentance, it's because you are a member of the body of Christ, and it takes every member working together. And if you don't find your place and fulfill your call, then God's got to find somebody to take your place. And it hinders the working of the Spirit of God. It slows down what God wants to do in the earth. Because this ain't a one-man thing. This is a body ministry. 
This is a body ministry, and God's going to use every member of the body according to where he's placed them. And you're like, you can have the whole body together. And you get up of a morning, you wake up in the morning, go to put your feet on the ground, and your feet's missing. You ain't going nowhere. Y'all understand what I'm saying? You ain't going nowhere. Or if your whole body's together and you wake up, well, Christ is the head. Well, without your head, you don't have no thought process. You don't have no leadership. You don't have no direction because everything you go to do, I don't care what it is, wake up in the morning, you start thinking. And you see yourself in your own spirit, get up, get your coffee, get your breakfast, get ready to do this, get ready to do that. And that goes on with every one of us, does it not? So if that's not there, there's no leadership. Or part of it's missing, you're only functioning in part of what you need to be functioning in. Am I making sense? So we need every member of the body, no matter where you're called, no matter what you're called for, because the Lord said, the, the parts that are least comely or the least attractive, they're most necessary. Now, most people would tell you feet are ugly. But Jesus said, how beautiful are the feet than them that preach the gospel of peace. And people look at some, some people's feet and say, boy, they got ugly feet. But them feet are the most necessary part for that body to move and get something done and go different places. Not the most comely part, but it has a purpose. So everybody's got to come together in their place, and God's bringing this thing together all over the world. This ain't going to be no uh, little miracle here and a little miracle over yonder and God moving in India or Africa or China or South America. The whole body's coming together in the unity of the Spirit, and they're going to be used all over the world to reveal the Christ. And that's what God's putting together. And the good thing is, He's made us a part. He's included us in. You think of how privileged we are that there is close to 7 billion people in the world. And God has made us a part, just a little part of what he's doing. He's mindful enough of us in this word and his spirit right here in this little church in L.A.J., Georgia, that probably will hold 50 people. And God's that mindful of us. God's that mindful of us that he sent this word here, and he's including us in on it if we want it. But we got to want it. And we gotta have a desire. And when God speaks, you gotta follow through with it. That's the reason I tell you, Sister Deborah, learn how to work in the Spirit right here, because you have a purpose. You may not be that carburetor on that big motor out there that's got 600 horsepower. You might be that little gear that makes it work. You never know what God's gonna use you to do. You never know what the Word and the working of the Spirit or the gift that God puts in your life is going to accomplish in the body. Or who it's going to propel forward. Or who it's going to cause to obey God and come forth in what God's called them to do. That's the reason people need a home church. That's the reason they need leadership. That's the reason they need to learn to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. In, in that meeting, Sister Deborah, you was there. Brother Justin was there. It started out, the Spirit of God hit me. No, it hit her first. And... I mean, we were sitting at a table like this. Next thing we know, the Spirit of God hit her. She had pushed her chair 15 feet across the room and was up against the wall, and the Spirit of God was speaking out of her. It fell just that quick and that powerful. Okay, it lifted off of her. It come on me, then it fell on my son. Uh, then I think she may have said something else, and then it come back on me. So it was a body ministry. It was starting to work, 
And God was showing different people in the room different things that they would contribute to the working of the Spirit. It's just like when I come up there to your mom and dad's church that night. People get upset with me sometimes. They'll call me up to testify. And instead of testifying, I demonstrate the testimony of Jesus. So which is better, to demonstrate the power and the authority and the testimony of Christ or just in a very tell people what God will do? I don't tell people what God will do anymore. I put it in demonstration. I put it in action. And usually, if I feel that working of the Spirit, somebody's life gets touched. How many lives was touched that night? I prayed for you, and God grew a short leg for you as a sign to you. God's fixing to visit your people. And I hope y'all get that Bible study worked out, because I want to come up there, and I want to minister to your people. I don't care if they're Catholic, Muslim. I don't care if they're sinners. I don't care what they are. There's a move of God for your... And I'm talking about this year, Brother Adolfo. There is a move of God for your people this year. But you got to move while... God's Word has a season. Do y'all know God's Word has a season? If you go back to Luke, the first chapter, where the angel Gabriel visited Zechariah in the temple and told him that though his wife Elizabeth was old and well-stricken in years, she was going to conceive and have a son. Zechariah said, well, how can this be? He said, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God, and I'm sent to tell you this, and said as a sign to you that you're going to have a son and you're going to name him John, and he's going to be the prophet of the Most High, and go forth and prepare the word of the Lord. He said, you shall be struck dumb until this happens to show you that you did not believe my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. When God speaks a word, you don't put it off 10, 12, 15 years. If it's God's season, it has a purpose to come forth right then. If God says it's now, it's now. And it comes forth. And if you don't act in that season, you can miss the visitation and the move of God that God wants to bring forth in your life or in your area or in your family or in a group that God sent you to. You understand what I'm saying? The word of the Lord has a season. That's the reason he said in Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven has a season, has a time. When God speaks it and he says it's now, it's now. But you got to act on it. you got to believe it. you got to... Put yourself into it. Because you don't, you can miss what God wants to do in your life. I don't want to miss my visitation. I'm fixing to go in 47 years of serving God in ministry. That's longer than some of y'all are old. <laughs> You've been in my meetings since you was, probably since she's born. And, uh, she has, she's been around my meetings since she's born. Her mama, uh, used to come pray and, and bring her tent meetings. Her and her brother and, uh, they was, they was raised up in my preaching. There's people that's uh, been coming to my meeting since the 80s, and I'm preaching to three and four generations now of people that, that's been around this Word because this Word has not deviated from the course it's on. It's just gotten stronger, and the revelation's gotten greater. You can go back. Uh, their son, Justin, he's got cassette tapes of mine that go all the way back into the 80s. And... Sometimes he'll text me and tell me, he said, Brother Matter, I just listened to you preach and talk about the kingdom of God in 1985 or 1987 or 1988. He said, you were saying the same thing that you're saying right now. There's just a deeper revelation of it now. So the word of the Lord in me, hadn't, it hadn't changed. It hadn't deviated. It's just gotten more mature and deeper. Okay? So I'm going to play this prophecy, and I'm just going to play part of it. 
And I want y'all to listen to what the Lord is saying because when it starts right here at the bottom of page two, uh, it says, Brother Chris Metter, all the preparation, all the preparation has been for this. And it says, Brother Metter begins to speak. And y'all see that right there where it says prophecy. All right, this is what this is going to, uh, this is going to say. I believe this should be it right here. Let me see. Okay, do we have this one on? Testing one, two, turn it up. It's the, uh, it's the audio tech. Testing, testing. Testing, testing. Nope. Let's see if it's on. It may not even be on. I think, I thought it was on. I don't like this mic. It's so hard to find that screen. Maybe. No, I think the battery's died in this one. Give me the, give me the Vocal Pro. Alright, I'm on the Vocal Pro. Should be four. Testing one, two, okay. Alright, let's see if this is not. And I shall open unto you a mystery in my word and my spirit, saith the Lord. For even I have spoken and said that it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out of my spirit upon your sons and your daughters, and they shall prophesy. He hath taken this, the spirit that you know as prophecy. But I, the Lord, say unto thee that the spirit of prophecy that has been loosed this night is the testimony of Jesus. This is the spirit of Elijah the prophet. This is the spirit of Moses the prophet. This is the spirit yet mingled with Jesus and the spirit of prophecy. Yet for I said that it shall come to pass after the Holy Ghost has come upon ye. Ye shall receive power and ye shall be witnesses. Your witness is your testimony and your testimony is the spirit of prophecy which is the testimony of Jesus. For I have imparted it to you, the Benjamin, and Moses, and the very Jesus, Son of Man, is revealed in me this night. This is the Spirit that I said would be poured out on your sons and your daughters, and they shall prophesy. But they shall prophesy by the spirit of Elijah. They shall prophesy by the spirit of Moses. They shall prophesy by the spirit of my holy child Jesus. Yea, and even yea, this power of the two witnesses and this anointing shall come forth from this very birthing, saith the Lord. For the spirit of prophecy has been revealed and opened. 
have kept these things secret from the foundation of the world. But I have opened them up to you. And now they belong to you. The spirit of prophecy belongs to thee. The spirit of Elijah the prophet. The spirit of Moses the prophet. Is the spirit that I said. I would pour out on your sons and daughters. And they shall prophesy. Yea, not a little I would say unto thee. Prophecy is not no prophecy. But a prophecy. That shall shake cities. A prophecy that shall cause. Great deliverance and visitation. But my word and my spirit. Yea, that shall turn. Cities upside down. A prophecy they shall speak. Cause great calamity. Great turmoil, great upheaval. But in the same breath, turn and speak my blessings. Turn and speak great deliverance. Turn and speak great visitation. For ye have not seen this. Prophecy that I shall unfold on thy sons and thy daughters. When I bring it forth this night, I unveil it. I unveil this in your knowledge. I unveil this in thy, thy wisdom. I put this in thy spiritual man. For no generation has ever seen this. No generation. I, I told thee, my children. I told thee. I told thee. I told thee that a movement of my spirit was coming. That no generation has ever had. No generation has walked in this. Spirit of prophecy of Elijah has walked in the spirit of prophecy of Moses. Has walked in the spirit of prophecy that was in my holy child Jesus. Receive, receive, receive. For these are not three different spirits, but these three spirits are one, says God. And it is the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony, which is the witness that the very Son of Man must take his own in me this night. Okay, now, uh, what I want y'all to understand is what God is doing. Because we've, uh, we've all taken Joel 2. And we can go there if y'all want to go there. But we've all taken Joel 2. And Sister Labriska, you've heard it ever since you was a child. And I've preached it. And others have preached it. When you go to uh, Joel 2.28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and those handmaidens. In those days will I pour out of my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire and pillar of smoke. We've all heard that preach right there. Uh, as the day.